All right, folks, welcome back to Justify Your Existence, Daily Journal's uh, podcast. I forgot what we're recording here. It's a podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and beyond. I'm Stefan Kreischnik, our Mississippi State beat writer, and joined, as always, by our Ole Miss beat writer, Michael Katz. Michael, how you doing, man? It's been a while, man. Uh, while we've been gone, I've been training for the combine. I've been doing my 40s and my working on my vertical, so I'm just trying to stay in shape. Do, do you think you're one of those players that is okay in, in college but really stands out in the combine then? Yeah, I think I'm going to be a really good performer, <laughs> personally. I'd be interested to see the, the Daily Journal reporters uh, taking part in a 40-yard dash challenge. I think I would have a good chance. Yeah, just let me do the bench. <laughs> That's all you're That's all I want to do. I will only do bench. <laughs> well, 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 we'll talk a lot of combine today as um, there's 11 players between Mississippi State and Ole Miss who are, uh, have been invited to go, and, and I'll be there next week for us covering those guys. Um, before we get started on that, make sure you follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or over at djournal.com slash podcast. Uh, go ahead and join our Facebook groups and j- join a discussion with us. We have the Ole Miss discussion with Michael Katz and Parrish Alford and the Mississippi State discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreisnick, and uh, make sure to follow D-Journal Sports over on Twitter. A lot of good stuff uh, coming out there, especially as we have the overlap of uh, basketball, baseball, and, and soon enough spring football season, um, which is a lot of fun if you're a reporter. It's the best time of the year. Um, fun is, is certainly a word. <laughs> it is it is a word. Um, so uh, let's talk a bit combine stuff. We have um, three guys from Mississippi State, Makai Polk, Charles Cross, and Martin Emerson. And then eight guys from Ole Miss, Matt Crowell, Sam Williams, Ben Brown, Dontario Drummond, Jerry Ely, Snoop Connor, Chance Campbell, and Braylon Sanders. Um, you know, Michael, let's start on the Ole Miss side. Um, you know, the hype around Matt Corral and Sam Williams will certainly be there, and I'm sure Chance Campbell will, will probably draw some attention as well. What about that, that, those other five guys? Is, is there someone – five guys? Oh, that's a great restaurant. Um, is, is, there, is there anyone in that bunch that either A – surprise you that they're you know leaving this early and be um is maybe kind of a sleeper guy who could really you know stand out in a combine and start making some some nfl progress yeah i i think the one for me is jerry and ely um one because i think we were all a little bit perplexed that both he and snoop connor left i think we just sort of assumed like if one stayed one would go and, and vice versa just because it would mean more opportunities in the running back room for that person next year and so it's kind of up their uh you know draft status but you know jerrion is a guy who is a, a five-star recruit um coming out of high school he um he he almost had like the same year like all three years in terms of his numbers like it's really crazy like how similar each year was and I kind of always feel like there was a a, a part that was kind of I feel there was always a little bit more with Jerry and just in terms of, of him contributing I know they talked about him being a receiver last year and that didn't really work as much as they wanted um you know he's part of the three-headed monster uh in in the running back room last year but I think he's a guy who's probably going to test pretty well. He's a really good athlete. I mean, he was a, an, all, a, an all-state baseball player in high school who, you know, was was a draft prospect. Uh, the, the, the kid is an athlete. Um, I, I think he's going to probably test pretty well. And so I, I think he's, he's someone that if you're looking for, you know, so much in the NFL right now is like niche guys, guys who can – do certain things, third down backs, returners, you know, all those sorts of different roles. Uh, I think he's a guy who, if he tests well, um, I, I think he is, is going to get some looks. And 
Um, you know, he, he, he probably didn't get the ball as much as, as you know, maybe he should have, but when he did, he was, he was usually pretty good. And so I think he's a guy who the talent mixed with, um, you know, consistent production and, and just kind of based on what the NFL is now, I think he's kind of a good fit in and could be a guy who, you know, maybe finds himself up there a little bit. Right. Right. You know, I'm interested in, in Sam Williams. He's the name that stands out to me. And, and I know we've talked in the past about how he, he's, I mean, 12 and a half sacks last year, and he's probably still not getting some of that NFL attention that he deserves. Um, you know, and a lot of the projections in the mock drafts, I don't really see him too high up um, or, or just coming up in those mock drafts because the mock drafts are usually, you know, the first or second round. Um, but but I'd be stunned if, if he didn't make uh, make some progress and, and stand out um, you know, with his numbers at the combine. I mean, he's, he's a freak athlete in, in a lot of regards. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they do like the, uh, you know, Bruce Feldman does like his freaks list every year for right. like the, <laughs> the college kids. Like he is going to be on the freaks list for the combine because he's going to run like in the four fives or four sixes and right. he's going to jump out the roof. Uh, he's, I, I think I've seen him in like the fourth round. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who moves up a lot after, uh, after, after Indianapolis for sure. Yeah, no, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see because I'm, I'm just surprised in generally with the numbers that he had that, you know, in the SEC, but, you know, scouts see what they see. Um, you, you've written a lot about him in the past um, and, and you know, his story kind of coming up and, and, you know, some of the challenges that Sam has gone through. I mean, what, what would it mean, you know, having talked to, to him and, and people around him, you know, to, to get that NFL selection to kind of get um, to that stage considering everything that he's been through? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's he's a guy who has admittedly made mistakes and hasn't had the perfect past. Um, but, you know, by all accounts, he's he is on the right track. And I think having a son, by all accounts, has kind of been a, a big motivating factor for him to to kind of get pushed in the right direction. I remember talking to the, the woman he considers his mother and saying like, you know, in, in his head, like this is his shot to get it right, like through his son. And so um, I think it would be everything. I, you know, one of Sam's biggest things has always been, he doesn't want his son to have to kind of go through the things that he did. And, you know, where, regardless of where you're drafted, it's going to be a lot more than he had coming up as as a kid himself and you know if you can make a career out of it he's, he's going to be set okay and so um i, I think it, it's i think it would be huge um, not just for him but for his family who has kind of been with him and has seen him go through all these things is you know essentially adopted kind of family um <clears throat> who we i lived with his last year of high school I think there's a lot of people that have kind of contributed to get Sam to where he is now because he has been kind of a work in progress. Um, and so I, I, I think it would be a, it would be a pretty big, you know, the talent's always been there. That's never been the problem. It's always kind of been about the peripheral stuff with him. Mm -hmm. um, now that that has been settled, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be pretty happy if, uh, if this works out for him. Yeah. And listen, man, he's, he's going to have opportunities to, you know, to talk about his past and, and, you know, I think people make a lot of, you know, reporters kind of digging stuff up and, and you know, talking about that. There's going to be a lot of scouts and a lot of coaches who are going to talk to him and ask him that stuff. And, and uh, you know, he's going to have every opportunity to answer those questions um, and, and make a name for himself in the NFL. I mean, he's one of the guys that, I mean, like I I'd said it a couple of minutes ago, like I'm surprised he's even, you know, as low as the fourth round. I think there's going to be a lot of, I think if a team got Sam Williams in the fourth round, um, 
A, they would have a rookie who would immediately make an impact in the NFL, and B, they would be very happy with the bargain deal that they got from that, um, at least from his rookie deal. So uh, definitely definitely some interesting stuff over on the Ole Miss side. Um, you know, to, to our Ole Miss listeners, uh, feel free to give me a follow uh, on social media. Uh, my Twitter is at skleishink3. Um, you know, I'll be there. You're going to have to spell that. You're going to have to spell that for people. Yeah, S-K-R-A-J-I-S-N-I-K-3. Um, I'm sure Michael will, will give me a shout out. You guys can all follow me there. I will. Um, I will. You don't need to, you don't need to follow me throughout baseball season. I'll be covering Mississippi State, but uh, for next week at the combine, I'll be there for for both of us. And and likewise, if you're a Mississippi State listener, I'll make sure to follow Michael because he'll be there at the SEC Women's Tournament in Nashville, Nash Vegas, baby, um, covering all all that all things Doug Novak. So um, you know, definitely make sure to, to be following on social media because there's going to be a lot of stuff um, next week. That being the week of February 28th. So um, a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, all right, over on the Mississippi State side, uh, I mentioned Makai Polk, Charles Cross, and Martin Emerson being the, the three guys. Um, you know, not not obviously not too many guys from Mississippi State, but but two of them, Cross and Emerson, are um, you know likely first and second round picks. I mean, there's there's a chance. I mean, Pro Football Focus had had a mock draft that had Charles Cross going number one. Um, I, I would be stunned if Charles Cross went number one. It's a weird draft, though. It's a yeah. weird draft. It's a weird draft where we're not. I mean. It's, it's, I'm assuming Thibodeau is probably still the one that's coming up everywhere um, as, as the number one, but like, I don't, I don't know if there's really a consensus first overall pick and, and it might be a team, you know, with, with the need. So who ended up getting the first pick again? Remind me, is it the Jaguars? The Jags again. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're the Jaguars and you got to protect Trevor Lawrence, if you want to go, you know, right ahead and, and fill that left tackle position. I mean, Charles Cross <laughs> was in an offense that passed more than anyone in the nation. And, um, graded out as one of the best, you know, offensive linemen and, and protected Will Rogers' blindside throughout this whole process. I mean, listen, Charles Cross speaks for itself. And, you know, talking to some of the guys um, who have kind of been here a bit longer, you know, covering Mississippi State than I have, and, and have kind of watched Charles Cross, you know, from when he was being recruited to when he ended up here to, I mean, he, he's a guy that physically has changed so much in, in college and being at Mississippi State. Like his body is not at all what it used to be um, and that's why, you know, there's probably a lot of state fans who are like, oh, holy crap, you know, how did Charles Cross become a top five pick overnight, a top 10 pick overnight? Um, he, he, he's going to be an interesting guy to cover there just because, um, I mean, he's, he's a legit talent. There's going to be a lot of teams who want um, to solidify their left tackle position. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bears guy, so I would love if, if Justin Fields had uh, – Charles Cross protecting him, but that would require the Bears having a first-round pick that they didn't give up for uh, Khalil Mack and your Raiders. Well, hey, as a as a lifelong Rams fan of five years, <laughs> um, I can tell you that, like, watching the Super Bowl, I think we learned a lot about how important offensive line is because yeah. that's where the game was won for the Rams because yeah. Joe Burrow spent way too much time on his back. Yeah, and and you look at it even that's I mean that's back to back Super Bowls because that that um, Buccaneers Chiefs one I mean Patrick Mahomes could not stay on his feet because he was yes. getting obliterated at every possession, um, every snap. So yeah, I mean that listen say what you will about if you think Charles Cross is is you know better player than a, a Thibodeau or you know, whoever, or, you know, or Matt Corral or whoever it may be going in the first round, there's teams who, who go by position needs and, and left tackle is a big need. Um, you know, even if you feel like you got a decent left tackle, well, in three years, that guy might be retired and you think you'll be pretty thrilled if you have Charles Cross waiting on the bench, um, you know, going through um, that with that stuff. Uh, Emerson's kind of an interesting one just because, you know, he, he, he's projected, you know, first, second round pick, probably a second round pick uh, in, in most mock drafts. And, 
Um, you know, he had one interception in college, right? Like, like normally you got a guy like, like Tyron Matthew or something like that, who's, you know, making a lot of, you know, flashy plays to get some attention at corner. Um, Emerson was just a solid corner and, and people didn't really look his way. You know, he didn't get the chance for some interceptions because, um, you know, nobody was throwing them to him. Um, so, so that's, what's interesting with him is um, the combine numbers probably will, will need to help him a little bit, maybe boost it. But I, I think people just understand that, you know, he, he's solid at what he does. He's, you know, he's quiet. He's not, you know, a flashy player. He's not going out there, you know, um, you know, pissing off his coaches or, or saying anything, you know, that nature. He, he's pretty just straightforward, you know, does his job um, and, and was kind of a, a lead by example type guy from Mississippi state all season. Um, so definitely going to be someone who garners some interest at, at the combine and, and excited to talk to him as well. Um, and then Makai Polk, it, it you know, it's interesting. He's not really getting uh, too much attention. I mean, he broke with just about every Mississippi State receiving record this season, you know, granted it being the air raid offense um, compared to other offenses Mississippi State's had in the past. Um, but but a, uh, receivers coach, uh, Steve Spurrier Jr., said that he did not think it was a smart decision uh, for Makai Polk to leave, um, which is interesting. Um, you it's know, certainly you, a thing to say. You know, we don't, we don't really have a lot of co- – coaches in college who come out and say stuff like that. But, you know, obviously as a reporter, I appreciate the honesty that, um, you know, Spurrier has, and and maybe he was right. Maybe it was a, a foolish decision by Mekhi Polk to go to the draft. Um, but he's another guy where the combine probably is going to matter to him because he's, he's not, he's tall, but he's skinny. Um, you know, if he gets hit hard, I think there's going to be concerns about him getting injured, though he didn't get injured at all in Mississippi State. Um, you know, he's a California guy who came to, to Mississippi State um, you know, for a year and, and, you know, maybe he never really had an intention of, of staying too long. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day is, um, you know, whether you think Makai Polk will be a great NFL receiver or not, um, whether he's a high draft pick or not, um, he, he's going to make some money and he's, you know, and he's probably going to, you know, bounce around practice squads and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, make his way up to a roster eventually, but like, you need to understand a, a lot of these kids, man, and, you know, I call them kids and some of them are probably older than me, but um, <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, talking about when they were in high school, when they were in middle school, like growing up when they were kids, um, you know, this is what they dream of, man. And, and Makai Polk has a real chance. And, and I think if you're Makai Polk, to some extent, you're looking at, you know, 106 catches and you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, I'm probably not going to have more than that next season. Like you're going to, you would, you would imagine he, you're going to regress a little bit after a record breaking season like that. Um so I think, I mean, and I'm sure Sam Williams is like that too. And, and a lot of those guys on the Ole Miss list are like, Hey, you've got a chance at going to the NFL. Like, you know, don't, don't blow that opportunity. You know, I know college football is fun and, and everyone loves it. And, and, you know, you're never going to have that type of relationship again, you know, in terms of the relationship that college football players have with each other. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, man, like you got a chance, like go for it, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I'm never going to, you know, hate on, on someone for doing what they think is in their best interests. And, um, you know, if you look at the Ole Miss side, like this was a, uh, the first 10 win regular season in program history, like, it, you know, I think there's hope for consistency in the program, but like historically it doesn't get much better than what Ole Miss just had. Like if you had a good season, dang, man, I, 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 I would not give it a second thought on, on, on leaving. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about, the guy that's uh that's going to get the most interest and maybe not maybe not go the highest. I mean, I'd be surprised if he went for Charles Cross, but you know he's quarterback and 
it's not a very quarterback heavy draft, but there's certainly some teams who are going to be picking, you know, in, in the teens and maybe in the early 20s. You know, you look at like teams like the Saints, the Steelers, um, maybe even the Dolphins are going to be looking for a quarterback. Who knows? Like, you, you don't, you just don't know. If a team really thinks Matt Corral is the guy, kind of like the Chiefs did with, with Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a quarterback on your roster, you go out and get them, right? Um, what, what, what have you heard, I guess, from Matt Corral in terms of the injury that happened in the Sugar Bowl, how that recovery has kind of gone? And, and, you know, obviously it hasn't really hurt his draft stock too much. Yeah, it's, it is crazy to think about a draft where there isn't a surefire top 10 pick who's a quarterback. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of guys who like might be, you know, Kenny Pickett is a guy who I've seen sometimes in the top 10 Malik Willis is PFF's darling child. Um, and he, you know, he's sometimes in there and then there's Matt and, um, you know, it's, I think Matt is a guy who is going to look pretty good at the combine. I, one, I, he, he, I, my, my understanding that, you know, the, the injury, um, you know, it was not as bad as it could have been. And I think he's doing pretty well just in terms of um, recovery from that. I know he's training out in, in California, I believe, um, <clears throat> back home. And, um, you know, I, I think he, with his arm talent, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to make a lot of scouts go, oh, like when they watch him do the throwing drills and whatnot. And I think he's going to run pretty well. You know, we know he's an athlete. You know, the thing with him is he's not the tallest guy on earth. I, it's, I'm going to be interested to see what he measures in at. Um, I think he was listed at 6'2", but I don't think he's 6'2". Um, and, you know, size doesn't matter as much in the NFL now because, you know, smaller quarterbacks have kind of are a little bit in vogue. And guys I'll start getting, start getting uh, hot and bothered talking about Russell Wilson and Drew Brees anytime a short Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. Uh, you know, we, we have we have figured out how to use their their talents. And Matt is a guy who has sort of the modern skill set. So I think it is going to be interesting. I also think he's he's going to he's, he's going to win over some. Um, <clears throat> scouts and GMs kind of just with his, he is a charismatic person. He can be, he, you know, media obligations aren't his favorite thing on earth, but when you get to talking to him, he's act, he's a, he's a really insightful kid. I think people are going to like that. And, you know, his teammates love them. They were really drawn to him and his energy. And I think that is something that you only really get when you talk to him. And I think that's something that that's going to really kind of help him out. Like people like to be around Matt Corral. And uh, I think he's, he's going to win that aspect um, uh, of the combine and you mix that in with, you know, the arm talent and all that stuff. Uh, it's a big weekend because, you know, if you fail those tests, the NFL, like they don't forget those things. Um, they will use everything they can against you uh, if possible. And so, uh, you know, I, I think he needs to nail it, but I, I, I think he's probably going to have a pretty good week and, um, you know, I, I know he's been working uh, on it uh, up until now. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how I don't know how high he ultimately goes. You know, I've seen him to the Bucks, which is kind of crazy to think that, like, you know, given where they just had um, I've seen him to the Washington Commanders. I almost forgot their name again. Uh, I've seen him to the Saints. Uh, there's just a lot of places that kind of make sense for him and his skill set. I would have said the Saints made the most sense before Sean Payton left. Yeah. Um, because, man, you look at that offense, he is a perfect fit for what they do. Um, and it doesn't sound like they're going to change too much. I think they're keeping a lot of continuity on staff. But, um, 
you know, it, it's always a question mark when you lose a guy like Sean Payton, who's been there since I was in high school. Right. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I, I, I think, I, I do think, uh, I think teams are going to kind of fall in love with him again. Uh, you know, it, the, the combine goes in ebbs and flows, or NFL draft goes in ebbs and flows where, like, they love you, and then you fall down the board, and then you go up again, and then you fall back down. And it's never – it's usually not because of anything that the player does. Right. It's just because, like, they started watching film, and they saw a bad game, or they start hearing things. And, like, it's just – it's draft season, and it can be messy. But I think he's a guy who these next couple of months are going to help him out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be interested to see what he scores on the Wonderlic test too, because um, you know I, I think there's been times where I think people have kind of questioned his decision making in, in games and stuff like that. So um, definitely, definitely interesting. He, he's definitely the one on on you know on these boards, you know, besides Sam Williams, who really can go multiple places and in, in multiple spots. Um, but but at the end of the day, he's going to be a first round pick, and um, you know, there's going to be an NFL team happy to to have him. I, mean, I have to uh, ask. Have you ever taken a Wonderlick test? I've not. I have. How'd you do? Uh, I, I scored pretty well. All right. Not to brag, but I got like a 48. Is, there, is that like, can I just do that online? Like, is that? Yeah, you can take like sample questions and it'll give you like five and then it'll like scale it out to like what you would get on the full test. Okay. I was really stressed taking it. So, uh, you know, I don't like recommend having a couple of beers before you do it to like take the edge off or anything because it might impair the the uh critical thinking skills but uh it, it, it's wild man i remember like i was waiting for my results and i was just like i feel like i'm waiting for like the most important thing of my life because like what <laughs> i'm not as smart as i think i am That's uh, yeah no i, I hi- highly recommend to all listeners take a practice wonder look test just so you can be disappointed in yourself <laughs> well there you go go ahead and do that uh we'll, we'll shift over real quick um and, and talk some women's basketball um, the men, I mean, the men's teams that we cover look like they're on their way to, I mean, is Ole Miss even going to get an NIT bid? No, not with their, uh, with a 13 and 15 now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and the, there'll be, you know, some decisions to be made with, with coaches and, and things of that nature on, on both sides for the men's team, but the women's teams, uh, are, are looking pretty good right now. Um, Ole Miss, um, you know, they've been lingering around being a top 25 team for, the better part of this SEC play, I know they were ranked at one point. Um, and then it, it kind of – it's tough when you get ranked and then the next week you have to play South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah, it was murder. I mean, it was just murderers. Um, <laughs> but then again, I mean, they, they listen, they had their opportunities. They had Georgia and South Carolina and that LSU game. Like, they had opportunities to kind of get, you know, more more statement wins. And they kind of let those slip. But um, there's no denying that they're a good team. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to – they're probably a team you don't want to face if you're a host um, at a region – um, in the NCAA tournament and Mississippi state oddly enough went from being a last four in to a last four with buys. So they moved up in the bracketology from ESPN after they lost two games. So, um, you know, they, they were quad one games that they lost, but, um, you know, some of their non-conference opponents, um, specifically South Dakota state and I believe Dayton are, surprisingly just making runs in, in their conferences and, uh, and, and, you know, their nets are going up. So therefore, you know, Mississippi state's net is, is hovering at a good place. Um, you'll, you'll be in uh, Nashville for both of us uh, covering both sides. Um, what, what, so, so take me through the past couple of weeks, gold miss women's basketball and kind of what their expectations are. I, I think I heard that Yolette still thinks that there's a chance that they could host. I, I would be really surprised 
Um, and, and that's not me like as an AP voter being like, well, I'm not going to rank them that high. So they're not going to, but like, I'd, I'd be stunned if, if Ole Miss by the end of next week, if they, you know, unless they were to like win the SEC tournament, um, you know, would be a top 16 team for me. Yeah, no, I, I think it would take, have to take a lot of things happening in Nashville yeah. for, for them to do that. And, and the question for them this year has always been like, like, yeah, obviously they're really good. They have 21 wins and like that right. doesn't just happen. They're a tournament team. There's no doubt about that, but no it's like uh, they haven't beaten the best teams on their schedule for the most part, you know, their best win right now, you know, Arkansas, that win isn't looking as good as it might have, you know, a few weeks ago, because Arkansas has kind of not been playing great. Their win against Florida looks a lot better now because uh, Florida has been playing pretty well, but you know, you look at South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, those are games they lost. And those were opportunities to kind of, you know, kind of show where you are. And, um, you know, the odds are if in the SEC tournament, you're going to see one of those teams again right. uh, if, if you make it as far as you want to. And so, uh, you know, unless, you know, some crazy things happen, which, you know, crazy things do happen, but um, you know, uh, more often than not, I think you're going to see South Carolina uh, in, in the final uh, unless something crazy happens. Uh, you know, it, it's do they are they a different team than they were when they played them last? And, and can they? You know, they were close in some of those games, and you know, they kind of fell behind early and then kind of scrapped their way back in. The South Carolina game was never really in question. I think that was like a forty point or whatever because uh, that was just a. That was, I mean, that was, I think that was, that was just a lot. I don't think they were quite ready for that one. Um, but, you know, when you're playing, you know, you have the opportunity to play those teams again. Um, if, if you're going to make that SEC run that you think you can make, you're going to have to beat the teams that already beat you once. And so um, do I think they can beat some of those teams? Yeah. I mean, they, I think they could have beaten LSU. Right. Um, I think, you know, if they hadn't kind of shot themselves in the foot, they could have competed better with Georgia and Tennessee. The only game that I really felt they were, I guess, quote unquote, out of was South Carolina. I think they had opportunities in the other ones. And you're going to see those teams again, uh, potentially in the tournament. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I think the chances of hosting are, are probably pretty slim, like you said, unless they were to you know, win the SEC tournament, which would be nuts, um, would be great for content in my page view goals. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think it would take a lot of things kind of unfolding uh, in a certain way. But, yeah, I, you know, they're a really good team, but I think there's always kind of been like, can they win that, that sort of statement game? And they haven't really done that yet. And uh, I think they're going to have some opportunities to do it again. And, you know, is it really going to matter? No, because they're going to be in a tournament either way. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think it would be kind of good for the collective psyche of that team heading into the tournament to know who they can beat and who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll uh, you'll have fun covering Mississippi State there. Um, you know, they just keep they keep playing well. They got seven players available and they just keep playing well. And they have an interim head coach and makes no um, sense, man. It really does. <laughs> And listen, I mean, they, listen, their, their best win of the season is probably the win against Ole Miss. And, I mean, like, they're, they're playing Tennessee tonight, Thursday night. Um, and, and Tennessee's a really good team. And Tennessee's a top 25 team. But, like, I would still put Tennessee ahead of Ole Miss in terms of, like, teams that Mississippi State would want to play. Like, Ole Miss is such a terrible matchup for Mississippi State just because of the size that they have and the size that Mississippi State doesn't have. 
So I just don't understand how Mississippi State dominated them like that. Like it's it's really outstanding. Um, and, and at the end of the day, listen, I mean, people will say a lot of things about Doug Novak, and, and I'm sure there's decisions that John Cohen's going to have to make as athletic director. But if he doesn't get the head coaching job at Mississippi State, there's going to be a lot of places that probably want him. Um, you know, on the women's and the men's side, because you know that's where most of his coaching history has been. Um, you know, he, he's made a name for himself this year coaching the SEC and, and has people like Kim Mulkey saying that he deserves to be coach of the year, even though she's probably going to be coach of the year, if not Don Staley. So, um, I mean, it's still interesting to kind of hear that praise. And, um, you know, we'll see how how honest Mulkey was when when the votes come out. and We see how many first place votes Doug Novak had. Um, yeah, had she, zero, just, she just throw compliments around a lot. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty big. Yeah, she. um yeah, I've interviewed a, a lot of people this year and gotten to meet a lot of people, and she was one of the more intimidating ones for sure. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to, like, you know, slip up in your question and say something you shouldn't with Kim Mulkey. So, um, you know, I will say, here's what I'll say about Kim Mulkey that I thought was interesting. So Doug Novak is, listen, he, he's a good dude, but he's kind of bland sometimes, and he, he likes his coach speak, and you know, he wears a, a gray suit to the game with a tie, and like he's very just like, listen, I'm here to play basketball, and nothing else concerns me. And I think we've seen Kim Mulkey probably be the best dresser in all of college basketball on the men's and women's side with, with, you know, the, the colors and the outfits that she wears. And, and I, I will say that I think Doug Novak had a flashier outfit than her when LSU and, and Mississippi state played. And I was stunned because Doug went with like the Navy suit and like a red tie. Um, and, and she went with like a sweater and jeans. Like it was just like, not like, which listen, I don't care what Kim Mulkey wears. I just thought it was fascinating that Doug Novak had, um, the flashier outfit that evening, which I don't think will ever happen again. So, um, you know, shout out to Doug. He he stepped up. He stepped up when you, got, you gotta put up. you gotta put yourself on the boards, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, no, should should be a fun SEC women's tournament. Um, Sands, whatever team is playing South Carolina, it should be an interesting tournament because I think we all know how that's going to go with South Carolina. But listen, as long as South Carolina doesn't run into Missouri, they should be fine, right? I can't believe that game happened. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Missouri's head coach will probably use that as leverage for everything moving Top forward. of the resume, baby. Top of the resume. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, like, like we mentioned earlier, make sure to follow uh, along on, on our social media feeds. I'll be at the NFL Combine next week. Michael will be at the SEC Women's Tournament up in Nashville. Um, I'll be up in Indianapolis. Um, and, and make sure you're joining our Facebook group. A lot of good stuff in there, too. Uh, Old Miss discussion with Michael Katz, Parrish Alford. Mississippi State discussion with Stephen Christian and Parrish Alford. Um, you know, follow on with Parrish too. He's got a lot of cool stuff um, as we kind of go through this overlap of balancing, balancing everything with, you know, the women's basketball, the men's basketball, baseball, and, and spring football coming up soon enough. Uh, but until then, make sure you keep following along with Justify Your Existence, and thanks for listening.